0: You gotta fight for your right to party!
1: You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network.
2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Arrowhead Live podcast of Around the Drum. I am your host, Ryan Blank. I'm alongside Trent Michael and Brandon McConnell. Before we get started on anything, we are a brand new podcast, so let's go around and introduce ourselves and let us introduce to introduce to you who we are. Trent, go ahead and start it off.
0: My name is Trent Michael. Like you said, I'm a senior at Missouri State studying sports management, um, and I also work with our football program. As a student assistant, and I am a data analyst for Pro Football Focus.
2: Brandon, go right ahead and take it off.
1: All right. Well, I'm Brandon McConnell. Um, I live in Waterloo, Iowa. I'm originally from Kansas City area. My dad and I have season tickets for the last six years. Um, have grown up a Chiefs fan, and and just enjoy talking about it. So I want to jump on here and and share what what I have for you guys, and um, ready to roll.
2: And finally, like I said earlier, I'm Ryan Blank. I'm a sophomore at Arizona State University. I'm studying sports journalism. I am from Overland Park, Kansas, so I'm a diehard Chiefs and Royals fan. So I'm here to just share my love for the Chiefs and talk about the team and how everything's going and to share my insights with everyone. So let's get into it. First topic, the reigning Super Bowl champion Chiefs are 2-0. and Yesterday was a tough one had to come back and took it to OT against the Chargers and came away with a win. Harrison Bucker kicked two 58-yard field goals to keep the Chiefs in the game and to win them the game. What did you guys see from Harrison Bucker, and could this put him in the conversation to be the league's top kicker?
0: I I think you'd have to say so. Uh, Like you said, he hit two, but he actually hit hit three. He hit the one earlier in the game, and then – Two fifty-eight 58-yarders back-to-back um, in OT to win the game. Um, there's not much else you can do to be considered one of the top kickers in the league, hitting the 53-yarder as well before Allegretti got the penalty. Um, and I think he's right up there with the names of Justin Tucker, Greg Zerline, guys like that.
1: I, I think you absolutely uh, need to put his name in that conversation. I mean, he's – what is it? Did they say he's 22 straight field goals now – um made like you said in in three in a row um after moving it back five yards and plus another timeout. i mean three straight kicks for the win at a franchise record of 58 yards i mean it's that is a bomb of a kick and then in his post game press conference i mean he said i felt good from 70 um so i have no doubt that they would have put him out there even if it was maybe even a little bit further uh and that's absolutely incredible
2: yeah for Bucker, he was insane yesterday That first 58-yarder, I'm like, he's got this. Because I remember over the summer he was at Blue Valley North High School and he was kicking 75-yarders and hitting them. So I was like, put him out there. Why not? And when he hit it, I was like, there we go. Like, he set the franchise record. He's already proven in just under four seasons that he's one of the league's top kickers and has become a clutch. And every Chiefs fan knew this in the game against the. The now Washington football team back in 2017 on Monday Night Football when he kicked the game winner. But the fact that he hit three 50 plus yard field goals in a span of like five minutes and only one of them counted was insane. Uh in his interview, he's like, I'm just I'm just trying to get this game done. I'm trying to go back to Kansas City. And he said he was good from 70 at halftime. I was like, this is insane. Cause what kicker can just easily hit 70 yards during halftime of a game? And he said he was just, he could swing easy with his leg. I'm like, I was watching it and I, I was in shock because I was watching it with friends, the game, and they were, they were all over it saying, yeah, th- he's going to miss this and it's going to put the chargers in prime field goal range to win the game. I'm like, he's not going to miss this. He's not going to miss this. I knew he wasn't. And he knew he made it right as he kicked it because he turned around. He pulled a LeBron hitting a three, and just turned. Was- well, I
1: go back, I go back to to halftime. I mean, I'm sitting there with the announcers like, "Oh, we're not going to be able to get any points," and then Tony Romo at one point's like, "Oh, we're we're trotting out Harrison Butker," and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't expect it, but I mean, now now you should expect it anytime you're that close. I mean, that's incredible to be able to have that confidence." Now, as a fan base and and as the coaching staff, like this guy's good from sixty.
2: Yeah, and those kicks looked like they could go five more yards at least. He could he could hit a sixty five yarder, he could, which is insane because barely any kickers can reach fifty eight. Only the best of the best can reach sixty, and Bucker looked like yesterday he could easily hit it. You
0: gotta give credit. You got to give it though. Getting him locked down two years into the deal, into his career, um, just see him progression already, and um, I think we're watching him become one of the league's elite.
2: Yeah, and you, he was signed off the Panthers pra, practice squad after he lost the battle with Graham Gano. The Chiefs signed him and let go of Cairo Santos. And look, he's now he's now one of the league's top kickers. He's got to be in that conversation to be the best. He is. He may not have the accuracy of Justin Tucker from 40 inside 40 yards, but 50 and beyond, Bucker's got him. Bucker's got him. He is one of the clutchest kickers in the league. Both of them are. They're the two best kickers in the league. But you cannot just say that Tucker is light years ahead of Bucker after what he did yesterday and what he's done over his short career.
1: We can also talk about looking – to the future for uh, Harrison Bucker. I mean, he's got one of the best spots for him playing in the AFC West. You now have two domes in, in the new Vegas, in the new L.A. stadium, and then you also have the high altitude of uh, Denver. So, I mean, you got that to look forward to each time. And so, I mean, for, for a kicker, he's got to be loving it.
2: Yeah, that's only going to boost his confidence, and that's just going to make him feel more comfortable to hit those deep kicks and those clutch kicks. I think that having the, new, the stadiums that the Chiefs have to go to every single year through the division is perfect for Bucker to succeed. But moving on, let's go into Patrick Mahomes. He struggled in the first half yesterday, but really picked it up in the second half. And the first play I want to highlight has got to be that touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. On the run to the right, just a dime right to Tyreek Hill into the arms, and he, I don't know how the Chargers did not touch Tyreek Hill down at the one-yard line, but he rolls up, gets in the end zone, and that was a huge momentum swing for the Chiefs, because they were struggling to get down the field and put on points, and that gave him the chance to tie the game. But what did you guys see from Mahomes in, on that play and Tyreek?
1: I, I just attest to what, what he said in his post game. I mean, this still kind of goes back to our slow starts, and they said coming from our home opener where there were fans, uh, they felt it. And Tyreek said it, Mahomes said it himself. He said, I'm slow. I'm starting slow. And part of that is due to the fact that we are not feeding off the energy of the crowd. And I think one hundred percent you see that. Um, and then when when he turns it on, I mean he absolutely turns it on and brings that entire team with him. And that just shows with that throw to Tyreek. I mean and and moving on from there to the third and twenty run, I mean, just absolutely goes from zero to one hundred, and it's and it's insane how the entire team follows him.
0: Yeah, Mahomes wasn't going to let them lose that game, um, but that that throw reminds me of a throw we've all seen before. Um, back in his rookie year against the Falcons in the preseason, he hit Mah- or he hit Tyree Kill on a sixty nine yard bomb. Very similar play coming out of the pocket and throwing it acro- across the field. Um, It's just things that we haven't seen before, but it leaves us in awe every single time um, he makes plays like that.
2: The thing with Mahomes is that was an insane throw. The mechanics, the confidence, he was about to get hit on the run, nearly throws it across his body, and it was a perfect throw. But here's the thing. Chiefs fans have become accustomed to this. Yeah, everyone's in awe at the time, but then when you look back at it, you ex- you're starting to learn to expect these plays from Mahomes because these aren't plays that he just doesn't make on a regular basis. He's making these plays every single game. He's making those highlight plays, those highlight throws, and you just—I've become accustomed to it. And it's exciting to see that the Chiefs finally have someone like that throughout. The Chiefs haven't had that one guy who can make a highlight play every game, who can lead them back when they're down late in games. And it's great to have Mahomes. And he's he's locked up for a long time. To start the season, he has just showed that he is worth every penny that the Chiefs gave him over the offseason.
0: And Brandon but, kind of mentioned it, the twenty one yard twenty one yard run on third and twenty.
2: Yep, that's um, the next play I want to get into. That run. What did you Trent, I, I did not mean to cut you off, but go ahead. Talk about that run.
0: I mean, you see you see it just about every game now um ever since the run against the titans in the playoffs he's making plays with his legs you go back and look at the box score yesterday mahomes led the chiefs in rushing with 54 rushing yards averaging nine yards a carry um it's pretty remarkable that a guy that's labeled as a gunslinger and after week one he's dissecting defenses is also a guy that's going to hurt people with their legs and um you know, the Charters didn't have a spy on there. They didn't, um, they were dropped back in defense and, and ready to defend the deep ball. And, um, I think we're getting to the point where you're going to have to leave a spy on Mahomes just to make sure that those third and twenties don't turn into first downs with his legs.
1: Well, and I agree there. I mean, it's, it's becoming a new normal for, for Mahomes. I know it's always been a discussion piece for, for him running and, uh, with the knee injury last year, people wanting it or not wanting to see it. But I mean, it's something he, he's natural at doing. And it's showing more and more. I mean, think back to the, the championship game where he had that spectacular touchdown run to now this third and 20 where, I mean, he's reading it and seeing that they're they're taking the deep ball from him, but he's got it wide open in the middle and he's, he's not afraid to take it. And it, it's just... It's becoming the new normal, and it's it's really good for this team when you have all of these pieces and you can you can count on his legs.
2: That run yesterday reminded me of that fourth down and fifteen run in Detroit last year. Just his ability to go on the run and be able to take the hits and sacrifice his body to make the play. Last year, you saw that against Detroit. You saw it against. You saw it against the Titans when he just ran out and made that huge play before the half. You see the league turn into more of dual-threat quarterbacks. You got Deshaun Watson, You got Russell Wilson. You got Lamar Jackson. Mahomes is becoming a dual-threat quarterback. He is becoming more dominant with his legs. And like Trent said, he led the Chiefs in rushing yesterday. Clyde Edwards-Elaire did not have that great of a game rushing the ball. And Mahomes made up for it, and you just have to learn to expect Mahomes. When he needs to, he's going to get out of the pocket, and he's going to run, and he's not just someone you have to watch out for his arm anymore. He's becoming that dual-threat quarterback, and he's adjusting and adapting to the other players around him and the other quarterbacks in the league. And that's even scarier that he's just finding ways to get better and better after becoming the youngest player in NFL history to win – NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP. That's insane that he continually gets better and keeps adding to his game to make him more dangerous. But the last play I want to talk about is that two-point conversion after the Tyree Hill touchdown to Miko Hardman. He threw that ball between five defenders for the Chargers. I, he was midair, and he throws it between five defenders. Then Miko Hardman makes a fingertip catch. How big was that play for the Chiefs in that time and in the game?
0: I mean, he drops that ball. If he drops that ball, the momentum shifts. It just does. And uh, I don't know if we see the same outcome in the game if Mecole's not there with his hands ready.
1: I I absolutely agree. I mean, that was the momentum shift there. I mean, you had the blocked PAT that kind of led us to that position that we were in, and you, I saw it today, surfacing all around the NFL media and and on social media. They're showing pictures of every different angle of that catch, and it's like, can you believe it that that was a catch? Um, and frankly, you can't. I mean, judge just by where all the defense defense was and and where McCole Hardman was, you can't. But that's also the new normal: is the wow plays. I mean, there's always seems to be something. And that was a huge turning point in that game because it tied the game. It, it, our team went from we can't get anything going on offense to here we go. We're, we're doing what we do. Um, but it also goes to the point I saw all the time throughout the offseason that Patrick Mahomes and Hardman were together and they were working on those kind of things. And that just shows that hard work pays off that both of them were putting in together because they had showed an almost identical scenario on the practice field that those two were working on it. Into that identical scenario to where they – in the game they made that pass. I think the thing
2: when you look at that two-point conversion is how big of a threat Nicole Hardman can be for the Chiefs. He has not had a big offensive role. Mainly he – before Sammy got hurt yesterday, it was a lot of him being worked in with jet sweeps. He wasn't really getting targets. And coming into the season, you heard about how they might be diminishing his special teams role so he could have a big role in the offense, and you haven't seen that so far. But that catch was insane. The level of focus and concentration he had to make that catch was huge because without that play, the Chiefs have to score a touchdown at the end of the game with those four seconds instead of kicking a field goal to send it to OT. They had to go for the win. And who knows what would have happened. So that was huge. I think the ability of Mahomes to just sneak in between five defenders is still insane. And I didn't even really realize it. I saw, I knew it was a great play. I didn't realize the catch by Hardman and the throw from Mahomes until, like you said, Brandon, that Twitter and, and social media had blown it up. It was insane. But moving on, as I just mentioned, Sammy Watkins. Took a helmet to helmet hit yesterday and left the game and went to the hospital being tested for a concussion. Do you guys think a flag should have been thrown on that play for illegal hit to the head?
1: Absolutely. No doubt in my mind that was a penalty. I mean, it was Sammy Watkins was out cold. I mean, you got him, you got him standing up and he's he can't even walk on his own. Um and, and you go to a fast forward to a Sunday night football game where Diggs hits a guy honestly not as bad and he still gets ejected. So I absolutely think it was a missed call. Um and not only just that hit, it, it was the comments after that hit that kind of got to me. Um where where they were the announcers were talking about, oh, he needs some defogger um after that hit it's like whoa this guy was just knocked out and you you're gonna make a joke on national tv about it like if we're trying to clean up the game and we're trying to stop the those kind of hits i mean that is something that has to be called in that position
0: yeah i totally agree you got you you have to throw the flag there um it's pretty simple it was pretty easy to see um but it's also easy for us to sit back in our seats and uh and watch it and replay and see that it was a penalty. Um, it's pretty difficult as an official to just, you know, throw the flag right in the moment. Um, but that's their job. They get paid to do it. We expect to see it. Um, should have been thrown.
2: Well, at the time of the hit, I stood up and screamed, that is a penalty. That's a flag. He lowered the shoulder, went in head first. He, Perriman, who laid the hit, not one should have been penalized for it but also should have been ejected for that play. Brandon, you brought up the Quadri Diggs hit on Nikhil Harry in the Sunday night game, and that was nowhere close to as devastating of a hit to Harry as Perriman put on Watkins. I think it's insane that no flag was thrown. I was shocked. Andy Reid was furious about it. Sammy Watkins could not stand on his own. The lineman had to hold hold him up so he could get help off the field from the trainers. If that doesn't show you that he just took a shot to the head and that he was knocked out, what else do you need to see that a flag needs to be thrown right away? You see him just take a shot right to the head from Perriman and there's no flag thrown. I, I was in shock. I completely disagreed with what the refs did with that play, but in the end, It is what it is. There's not much you can do about it. But overall, the NFL talks about how they have to protect players from concussions and staying healthy. The officials did not do that yesterday, and it was extremely frustrating to watch. But sticking with the offense, the offensive line was arguably the worst it has ever been with Patrick Mahomes under center yesterday. What did you guys see from the offensive line that led to so many struggles?
0: I think it starts outside with the tackles. Um, Schwartz struggled against Bosa pretty much all day, giving up his first sack of his career to him. Um, And I think that once the outside starts to fold, it it deteriorates the inside of the offensive line. And um, we saw it with Osmele, three holding penalties, all on third down. Um, It was actually really hard to watch, honestly. And – but you got to give credit to the Chargers defensive line their front seven Gus Bradley had Andy Reid's number from pretty much the start of the game and as we look back on it honestly he he's had the Chiefs number um the past couple outings even going back to that Thursday night where we lost on the two-point conversion the uh the Chargers defense knows how to line up against the Chiefs and they have the guys to do it
1: i i completely agree there i mean as much as i want to dog on on the Chiefs offense it was it was a poor go um the Chargers front is unreal. I mean, they were they were a lot of the movements they were doing. I mean, that's I feel like our our players hadn't seen it before, which I know they definitely go through through and scout that kind of stuff, but I mean, it was some of the stuff they were doing were was absurd. Um and like going to that that field goal attempt where Allegretti where he jumped, I mean, I saw a couple of the defensive linemen shift and, and to draw them off, which it worked. And it's just, I mean, credit to them. I mean, outside of offsides that they've gotten from from Bosa, I mean, they they really put it to a test our offensive line. And I still think we, we can do better. We for sure can do better, but I think we also have to give it a test to the Chargers defensive front. And we knew that was coming. I mean, seeing what was on that line, we knew what was coming.
2: I think the most frustrating thing <clears throat> was the play of Kalachi Assembly. After a uh, terrific performance week one, opening up polls and getting those plays available for Clyde Edwards-Ylaire to have such a, a great game that he did, he was horrible. Got called twice for holding, especially on that big catch down by the 10-yard line. Late in the game, that could have given the Chiefs a chance to score a touchdown and avoid overtime. Called back on an assembly holding call, and I just don't get it. The last thing the Chiefs need is inconsistency at left guard with Osemele. They need him to get consistent and not like he played yesterday, but closer to like what he did at week one. And I'm also very worried about Mitchell Schwartz. Last year, he did not allow one pressure. He's allowed two sacks already this year, and was getting dominated by Joey Bosa. I know he's going against some of the top guys like J.J. Watt and Joey Bosa, but that, that's not how Mitchell Schwartz has been playing the past couple of years. He's one of the best right tackles in the entire NFL, and he's struggling. And I, the Chiefs need him to turn around and get back to how he was playing last year. So there's a lot of worries with the offensive line, but yesterday was the worst I've seen them look since Mahomes took over under center. By far. Alec that was an awful, awful, awful false start to have. And then holding on Winchester on an extra point, I don't know where they got that. First off, they never showed a replay. And two, how would a long snapper be quick enough to hold someone? His head is between his legs, snapping it, then has to get up and block. That's just, I don't get that call but overall, the line was pretty bad yesterday.
0: And I think you have to remember that we play the Ravens next week. That defensive line has Colias Campbell on it now, Matthew Judon on the franchise tag. They still have Brandon Williams at nose tackle. Derek Wolfe is a carryover over a defensive end. And then Patrick Queen in week one had an incredible, incredible performance and was up for yeah. defensive that rookie. Defense,
2: that defense is insane. And the Chiefs have got to get it going because – Mahomes had a bad first half yesterday because he did not have time to get into his motions and to make a good throw. He was moving around a lot in the pocket because he was constantly under pressure. Granted, the Chargers have one of the best pass rush attacks in the entire league, but you're going against another terrific pass rush next week, and they need to play better than they did last week or the Chiefs will lose that game against Baltimore. But moving on, a, more struggles come from the defense. They struggled early last season too, but mainly in the run game. You saw the Chiefs get dominated in time of possession yesterday, and you saw that's how they lost back-to-back games last year against the Colts and Texans was because they were dominated on the ground game and dominated time of possession. Does yesterday's struggles against the run game and their struggles as a whole yesterday, even tackling, worry you for the? upcoming weeks especially on monday night
0: definitely i mean it's concerning because i think we were worse tackling this week than we were last week um it hurts because Br- Brashab breland and Treverus ward are two outstanding run defending cornerbacks and having both of those guys out hurts a lot and then you know Hitchens struggled laterally um, he always has, but man, yesterday, once he went down, Willie Gay went out there and he did not look like he knew what he was doing. Um, I'd still like to see Dorian O'Daniel get a shot, um, at least outside of being a quarterback spy, but, um, the defense as a whole did not look too good. Hopefully next week, Frank Clark will be back healthy and, uh, we'll have someone on the edge. And then Tyron Matthew has always played an excellent game and, um, he's the heartbeat behind that defense. Um, we need him every single week.
1: I I agree. It's definitely very concerning. Um, but you also have to go to. I mean, this seems to be. See what we've done. I mean, last year you go back to it early on. Our defense struggled. I attest to this. I mean, we got to get healthy. Uh, we've got guys on suspension. We've got guys hurt. I it, I don't want to say patchwork, but I mean it kind of feels that way, and it kind of looked that way. Um, and I think we get healthy. We get. Pinnell back in the in the middle for the for our big run stopper. I I think things will settle down. Um, but overall, yes, it was a very concerning look. I mean, looking at the Chargers having fourth and one um, and not going for it, knowing that a, almost every single run play they were getting at least a yard or two against that front. Um, but uh, like we said, get some guys back. Um, and, and just work on some things and we'll be okay. I mean, we'll, we'll always, that defense will come around, but it's definitely, they, they've got some things to look at.
2: Yeah. Yesterday, the tackling was awful. The linebacker, the linebacker core was awful. Damian Wilson got hurt. Hitchens was out for for a few plays and got hurt as well. But the run game from the Chargers was incredible because the Chiefs couldn't tackle. They couldn't stop the run game. And that's where Mike Pinnell was so crucial last year, was in the run game. And when you're going up against the Ravens, who have won the best run t- rushing attacks in the entire NFL, you need a guy like Mike Pinnell who can stuff the run up the middle. And he's back this week, which is huge. The Chiefs need him because they have a lot of injuries. Yesterday they were without their top two corners. No Ward and no Breland. There's no Breland till week five, and who knows when Ward will play next? I'm hoping he'll play this week, but you don't know. So it's a lot of patchwork, really, because they're trying to combat a lot of injuries,
1: and it's not
2: looking too good, honestly. But
1: Tyree, I I will to jump jump in there real quick. Um, I will attest. I mean. One thing that they definitely, watching it, they can fix. I mean, the tackling. I and mean, that is, it was call. It, it took five guys sometimes on, on something that should have been the first tackle made. And, and that's just what's probably the most frustrating for, for the kingdom to see is the fact that your basic tackling was, was a struggle.
2: Yeah, the, the rushing attack from the Chargers was so successful because they couldn't tackle. These are easy fixes, and you know Spaggs is going to get on that. Because Spaggs, every time you saw him on the sidelines, he looked furious with how his defense looked. Tyron Matthew, he's, he's still all over the field doing everything he can, but he can't do it all. He's, he needs help. And the fact that the Chargers did not get to Herbert that much with, when they don't have Brian Bulaga who got hurt early in the game, and Mike Pouncey, who's done for the year, was, is really alarming. So the Chiefs need to get their guys back. They need to get Okafor back. They need to get Frank Clark back healthy for next week. Otherwise, there's a chance the Ravens could run all over the Chiefs next week, and that's the last thing you want to see. But I will give a shout-out to LeJarius Sneed. Another interception yesterday. He has played extremely well in these first two games. Fourth-round pick for the Chiefs in the April's draft. He's been terrific. He's on pace for 16 interceptions. Just want to put that out there. But he he's playing against some good wide receivers. He was going up against Keenan Allen, who's one of the league's top wide receivers. He was going up against Will Fuller, who's a good wide receiver when he's healthy. Brandon Cooks. He's playing good wide receivers, and he's really shutting them down and doing what he needs to do to make his mark. And he's been huge for the Chiefs, especially when they lost Ward earlier. Early week one, and don't have Breland. So he's been huge.
0: I think another guy we need to highlight on the defense is Taco Charlton, who had three pressures yesterday against the Chargers. And according to Pro Football Focus, is first out of 108 qualifying players with a 20.0 20, 20. pass rush productivity rating. Um, his effect on the game is going to be immense moving forward, especially if Frank Clark is going to continue to have these stomach issues.
2: Yeah, but I, I also got to give a shout-out to the Chiefs' fifth-round pick, Mike Dana. He came up big yesterday. He he made some big tackles. When the Chiefs made stops, those few stops at the line of scrimmage in the run game, Mike Dana was right there in the mix making those tackles. I'll say it. I wasn't completely thrilled with that pick because – there were guys like Bradley and I who was available, and there were other guys that I liked more, but he was big for the Chiefs yesterday and really helped the run defense not completely implode throughout the game. Bryn, did
1: you have anything to add? Well, I, I attest to what you guys are saying for the rookies. I mean, you look at you look at Snead, you look at Dana. Uh, I mean, Wharton, I mean, the, the rookies are balling out. They're putting it all out there and you're, you highlight them because they're, they look that good. I mean, obviously we have the playmakers, like you said, and Clark and Jones and that kind of stuff, but to be able to accompany that with some rookies that I, I would agree with you when, when we drafted Mike Dana, I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't know who that is. I mean, I don't know what to expect. And he balled out. I mean, that sack that he had, I mean, a few big plays and a and a lot of big plays from our rookies is, is huge for this defense. And that should give you something to look forward to. I mean, once our playmakers and our guys come back, you have them and then you mix in these rookies, we're going to turn this around. This is going to become the defense that we know it is when you run into a, we didn't bring this up. I mean, you game plan for Tyrod the entire week. And then, surprise to the entire country, you get Herbert. Like, that changes your entire game plan. That changes a lot of things that you're expecting to see. And it was a struggle, but they adjusted. We got the win. And with these rookies and and guys coming back from injuries, we're going to be okay. And I'm excited to see it when it all meshes together.
2: Yeah. Once those injuries get cleared up, the Chiefs defense will return and get better to where they were at the end of last season and in the playoffs. Injuries are killing them, and once you get Breland back, I think that's going to help, but they just got to go with the flow of right now and next man up. That mentality is going to kick in for a lot of teams now, especially after over 100 injuries yesterday throughout week two. Next man up. That's how it's going to have to be until the Chiefs get every guy back defensively. But can we that,
1: can we uh, discuss that for a second? There, the, just the injuries last oh, yesterday. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is that is that a preseason thing? Is that just a, I mean, training camp and preseason? What what's going on there?
2: I think the issue is preseason. I I'm not a fan of preseason being four games. I think it needs to be two, and I think that without preseason to get them some game action, you saw those effects. You saw some injuries week one, but week two, big names went down. Nick Bosa, out for the year, torn ACL. Same with Saquon. The whole heart of the Giants offense is out for the year because of a torn ACL. Then you have Michael Thomas, who's out a few weeks. Christian McCaffrey, who's now out for a few weeks. This is concerning. And I... I think this gives the owners much needed leverage to keep preseason because it's needed. And I think teams are going to start realizing that as the amount of injuries yesterday is insane. Anthony Barr as well toward pack he's done for the year.
1: I think it, it just think it it shows that yeah. you need need it to get to game speed. Now you can, you can say we're going to scrimmage and we're going to be at game speed, but it's just not the same. So I think you're right. It shows that we need it and hopefully the owners and – everybody sees that. I mean, cause just the peer injuries. I mean, I know they said there was something wrong with the turf, but you can only say that so much. These guys have to get conditioned and be ready. And they, they, this shows they need those games for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd
0: agree there. I think that we need the preseason, um, for tackling to get back into the swing of things for conditioning. But I, It's hard for me to see the correlation between the injuries and the preseason um, because we didn't see these injuries week one. The only injury out of all those big names that you listed was Mike Thomas, and he got hurt at the end of the game against the Buccaneers when he probably shouldn't have even been in on a running play where he got his ankle stepped on. Um, I think that the injuries thing is just kind of a freak thing. It didn't happen week one, and it it happened to – you know, a handful of guys week two. I guess we'll see how it plays out the rest of the the early part of this season. But um, thankfully, the Chiefs didn't have anyone go down yesterday, and we can hold our heads on that.
2: I was worried yesterday after seeing the amount of injuries. I was hoping that Chiefs did not go down with season-ending injuries. I was scared. And I think there's going to be that fear for not just Chiefs fans, but every fan base throughout the league that any big-time player can get hurt. It's scary. And I think that the loss of preseason is a huge reason for this. And it's not going to get any better unless training picks up. And next year, this proves how vital preseason is. So there's going to be no chance of preseason going away anymore because it's needed. And you know what? Take it down from four games to two games. I'm good with that but get them a couple games of action so we don't see the same thing that we have seen this week. And now we're going to move on to our final topic of the episode. The Chiefs take on the Baltimore Ravens Monday night in Baltimore. What do the Chiefs need to do to get a big win over the Ravens and keep Lamar Jackson contained?
0: I think the last thing you just said was Lamar Jackson, keeping him contained. Week one, Dorian O'Daniel played five snaps against Deshaun Watson, and Willie Gay played zero. I think that this week one of those guys is going to have to be on the field to keep him contained. Albeit all of Dorian O'Daniel's snaps against Deshaun Watson, he was the quarterback spy and he did make some plays. And you know, you don't have to make the play to make the play, and he did that week one. So I'm hoping to see, he saw a few more snaps this week. Maybe Dorian O'Daniel's that guy this week that we get to uh watch out of the linebackers corps try to contain Lamar Jackson.
1: Gonna have to uh eliminate the, the mistakes. I mean, just even the little mistakes. We 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 got away with it in LA and that was we frankly we got lucky. Uh we we took that one, but you can't have those little mistakes. Uh it, against a team like Baltimore cuz they will exploit them. Um I look at our secondary, somebody standing up like Snead. I mean Snead's got to keep continue playing. We've got to get some something there. Um I don't know what we do for for linebackers. I mean, obviously you have somebody out there as a spy to try to contain Lamar Jackson. Uh but need some improvement on the linebackers and the defensive front for for a run standpoint. I mean, cuz we're going to have to work on that Uh, because they are a running team and I look for on offense I mean you got to look to guys like Hardman and Robinson to have a big game here I mean because they the Ravens do have a solid secondary I know they did just take a hit with an ACL injury in the secondary but you still look for for some of those guys like Hardman and Robinson to come up huge here um, especially with what they've got to cover for for Travis um, but yeah, I think, I think we'll be fine. I think it's going to be one heck of a game. Uh, I know we talked about it, uh, off air, but, um, Mahomes being an underdog. And I think we said he was three and one as an underdog. Uh, it's going to be fun. And in the spotlight there, everybody's going to ball out and it's going to be an intense game and we're going to enjoy this.
2: I think it's going to be a terrific game. I'm excited as nervous as I'm going to be. I'm excited because I think the defense is going to get a huge addition back with Mike Pinnell to stop that run game up the middle. He's a terrific run stopper, and I think he's going to have a huge game. And like Trent said, put Willie Gay or Dorino Daniel out there as a QB spy. The Chiefs are going to have to go away from their base formation of going with five guys in the secondary and two linebackers to four and three. They are going to need – Dorian or Willie out there to go sideline to sideline with Lamar Jackson. Cause if he can get to the outside, he is dangerous and you don't want to have to deal with him when he is running the ball extremely well. So the chiefs have got a game plan and have a spy or even two ready to go against Lamar Jackson. But I think for the chiefs this week is a statement game after a poor performance last week, this past week against chargers, I expect the Chiefs to go out and play like they did against the Texans and maybe even take it a step up. Andy Reid I know it has got to be hiding some plays. He's got him stashed in his back pocket to go against the Ravens. And I expect him to pull out some new tricks and to show his incredible offensive mind. I expect the offense to take it up and just Put the pressure on the Ravens' defense throughout the entire game. I expect the defense to play better. And if Traverius Ward is back, that's going to be huge for the secondary. That's going to be huge for them. You know what? He may have a club on his hand, but it does not matter. Getting Ward back will still be huge for them.
1: I, I agree with you 100%. I think, I think there's, there's going to be things we haven't seen. I, you look back to the last two weeks – and I there, there's definitely plays that have not been called that that you would expect to be called. I mean, I think he's hiding some things in this offense that's going to come out and it, it's going to be a surprise and it's going to be a shock to these defenses and it's going to work. And that's just what Andy Reid does. I mean, he's he's the offensive mastermind and he's you like we said, in the last two weeks, you there's some plays that you think we would see, but he's he's kept them in the bag. As long as number 15 runs out of the tunnel on Sunday, or
0: on Monday, I guess, in this week, I'm pretty confident the Chiefs are going to have a good chance to win. As long as Mahomes is uh, our starting quarterback and for the next 10 years, 12 years, whatever that may be, I don't think I'll ever have a doubt going into a game with him as our starting quarterback that we will lose.
2: Here's the thing. When you got someone like Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are never out of the game. Yesterday, was I upset and a little bit nervous? Yeah, I was. But there was that piece in me that knew the Chiefs were going to come back because you've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got the most exciting and best quarterback in the league on your team, and he's going to go out there and he's going to prove it next week. He's going to prove that he is the best player and the best quarterback in the league. He's going to light up that Ravens Ravens defense. They have a terrific defense. He is going to go out there. He's going to make the statement and say, "Uh uh-uh. Last week was a fluke. This week, we take over and we show that we are the best offense and the best team in the NFL. So I expect a lot of things from the Chiefs this week. And you know what? If the Chief, It also appeared the Chiefs may have overlooked the Chargers, which it happens. It almost cost them the game, but they got the win. Now the focus is on Baltimore and to prove that this Chiefs team is not going anywhere and they are going to fight and they are going to run it back and get back to the Super Bowl. Do you guys Correct have anything
0: wrong? Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Patrick Mahomes has never lost a game by more than 7 points in his entire career, right? He's never
2: lost a game by more than a touchdown. So, and, and I don't think that's going to change. Lamar that's Jackson not gonna change.
0: That's not going to change this week.
2: Yeah. Lamar Jackson is 0 2 against the Chiefs. And Mahomes I don't think that changes. I think he's going to go 0-3 and I think the Chiefs are going to go out there and they're going to bounce back, put up a heck of a performance and improve to 3-0 and on the year. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we head off for this episode?
1: Just want to say I'm excited to uh, start this Around around the Drum podcast and excited to share my thoughts and hear everybody's thoughts uh, on the podcast. And we hope you guys always tune in each week and, and listen to us as we as we talk about what's going on and, In the Chiefs world, the Chiefs games, and not only that, in the NFL. Yeah, I'm I'm all
2: about winning.
1: Chiefs,
2: 33-27. I'm excited for this week's game, and I'm just excited to have this show and this podcast to just talk straight Chiefs football. I'm excited to talk with you both and Cody when he joins us next show. So, I'm happy to be here, and I'm super excited to really get into it. So, Everyone, thank you very much for listening to the first edition of Around the Drum. We'll be back next week after the Chiefs have done battle against the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you very much for listening. To the
1: Chiefs' kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo!
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the
1: Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!